Hello and welcome to Deep in the D-Pad, where we explore all things gaming through an intellectual lens. I'm your friendly neighborhood host and level designer, Carlos, and with me as always is R.K. Taylor. Hello. Yeah, so today's episode is about trash talk. We're going to be talking all that smack. We're going to be talking about talking smack and trying to figure out, you know, what exactly is trash talk? Does a sanitation <laughs> worker need to show up and collect all this trash you've been talking? Who knows? Let's find out. But first, let's jump into our D-pad delights. <laughs> oh my gosh, so silly, so silly. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, what's been your delightful gaming moment or story for this week? Let's say the past two weeks. Anything good happen? Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, plenty of things. How do you narrow it down, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so we're recording this. Uh, what's today, Carlos? Like March March 20th. 20th. Yeah. It's hard to talk about this, right? Because like we don't know how long this is going to go on, right? This could be the very, very beginning of a war that lasts a decade, right? But we're in the midst of, or the the beginning, perhaps, of you know Russia invading Ukraine and seeing what the the aftermath of that is going to be, uh, and in uh, you know like kind of famously, like the U.S. has not sent troops at this point to Ukraine, um, but there is a. Uh, a humble bundle deal where you can get 123 items uh, and pay at least $40. And they're mostly games, but they're also like art assets uh, for like developers. And uh, like there are different like programs that can be used for like game development. Um, and I believe they have like books and like ebooks and comics and things too. Uh, and you pay um, at least $40 and they'll, you know, basically give you all of these things. And the, and the proceeds are going to Ukraine, allegedly. I'm not sure how that, how funds are being disseminated. Let's see, 100% of the proceeds will go to the Rosome for Ukraine International Rescue Committee, International Medical Corps, and Direct Relief. The reason why I want to talk about this is because we, we so frequently speak about the content of the game itself right? Why is Psychonauts 2 a good game? What new ideas uh, is it giving to us as players? What benefits do, do, do we get from playing? Uh, and this is really uh, kind of stepping outside the game analysis itself. This is something that is, you know, sociopolitical or, you know, historical. And uh, a bunch of developers or publishers are getting together and making a, making a decision to really, all, like, not get profits on these games like you know they're like they're willing to donate essentially for uh, a geopolitical cause and i don't think we see that very frequently and it kind of speaks to how serious this is i mean especially with the fact that it's over a hundred properties that, that you would be getting access to there's something just so beautiful about this and like it, it, there's an incentive for gamers to participate in this because they are getting a lot out out of the deal but it's it is it's doing something humanitarian and like you can look at it as like it's selfish because like you, perhaps people just want the games and like they want them as quickly as possible and and like they don't keep they may not care about the politics of it but at the end of the day the money is still going to uh you know, a cause, I'm, I'm assuming it's a good cause, right? I haven't vetted these uh, particular organizations, but, you know, based on the, uh, on, on what it's standing for and how it's being marketed and advertised, it does seem like it's going to people who are immiserated by Putin's political strategies. Did you look at that, Carlos? Did you look at the Humble Bundle deal? Yeah, I did take a look at it. Um, I was actually re-scanning through it again while you talked about it, and it is such a large uh, number of items. Like, it's uh, 123 items overall, and it says, currently, pay at least $40 for all of these. And like you said, it's like, it's games, like very, 
just a whole variety of games, honestly, from like indie stuff like Slay the Spire, although that's a well-known indie game, but you have like just kind of ones that you might have never heard before, uh, like the USB stick found in the grass. But on top of games, you're getting a bunch of development assets. You're even getting some courses. Like I saw the entire Unity game developer course whatever yeah, on that, that too, and that's yeah. really cool there's also uh i guess like warhammer or like pathfinder like dungeons and dragons style books it's like really this is like a super wildly varied bundle and it's all the more enticing i imagine for like a wider group of people to sort of buy into this or, or make it more enticing to you know get this and then put that money to a good place. And right now it says they have like a little over 8 million raised for charity uh, at the top of the webpage. And that's freaking dope. Like I, I hope they get much more and I am hoping maybe we see more bundles like this in the future. Uh, but that might just be more my Corbo cynicism coming out <laughs> because it's sort of, uh, at least to me, feels like, you know, this is only happening and, on you know, obviously for good reason, but like this is only happening because of like this current, like big, hotly spoken about like topic just everywhere. And, you know, once we get out of this being in the news headlines, like every day, will humble kind of like do this initiative again but for a country that maybe might not be in in actual war conflict at the time or is it more so just going to go back to business as usual like hey here's a couple of games or a couple of comic books give us some money and we're going to give it to like you know cancer research or something but even then it's like you know some small portion of it at this point because humble is now like a bigger business than what it was initially I mean, I don't think we can expect Humble Bundle to do this kind of thing all the time. You know, I mean, it speaks to the fact that this is a really extreme circumstance and there are people who really could use the money or like there are organizations that are trying to provide relief that, that really need the money. Uh, and I mean, at the end of the day, Humble Bundle is a business, right? And like they need to make money. And like if they're go just because they do like one drive to try to get, you know, a bunch of funds to toward one place, like I'm not going to be upset with them for not solving the like cancer riddle you know like for not being able to you know crack the code of of leukemia you know it's or put money toward toward doing so you know like i'm not sure if that's kind of like what you were what you were getting at but like the problem is that there there are two ways of of looking at this cynically right you can look at it cynically as the consumer which is what i was getting at earlier the problem being that like consumers don't actually care about the politics they just want the games or or, yeah. the, or the assets or whatever uh, and the other the other part is you know, the corporation may just be trying to, like, look good. And it's like, oh, look, we stand with Ukraine. Look how great we are. Like, now you're going to go to Humble Bundle in the future. They're going to get a bunch of people getting their emails now. On a Like, on a pragmatic level, it's, it's, it's working, though, right? Like, assuming that the money is being distributed and it leads to actual real-world change, um, assuming that, like, the, yeah, like, the, the distribution efforts are a success, it, it kind of doesn't matter whether or not what incentive people have for buying this, I, I think, on some level. But I think that there are a, a decent number of people who have heard a lot about Ukraine, weren't going to donate money to their Ukraine, uh, and this was the kind of the thing that tips the scales. It's like, oh, I can donate to Ukraine and also get something else? Right, yeah. It's it's making it a transaction rather than this, I guess, like one-way giving street or something like that. Like, you can help Ukraine, but you can still be kind of selfish, too, by getting like a lot of games and whatever else. 
Yeah. You don't have to cut holes in your pockets to help Ukraine. You know, you're you're able to go to the store and buy a candy bar. And it's like, uh, you paid a dollar for this candy bar. 50, 50 cents of that candy bar is going to go to Ukraine. And you're yeah. like, great, I have a candy bar. <laughs> Who the fuck cares where the rest of that money's going? You know? Exactly, yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to bring up on this bundle is that, you know, as I was looking through it, I was just curious to know how were these games selected? Was it like Humble that just looked through the library and was like, you know what, here, here, here? Or did they reach out via email or something like that to developers? Or did developers, you know, hear that they were going to do this package and then said, hey, use our game for it? That would be interesting to learn about is like, how do the Humble Bundles actually get curated? What deals are going on that say a game is going to be featured on the bundle or what have you? And especially for this one, because it is for such a uh, big kind of charity reason um, that has like global awareness to it. Was it handled the same way as like, you know, how they curate the other humble bundles? Or like I said, did developers reach out to them? Did they reach out to developers? Like, how did this bundle come together? That would be something that would be super interesting to watch. You know, it's like how it's made, basically. I would love to know as well. Yeah, it would be really it would be really interesting to see. Because, I mean, it, it took a lot of effort. It said, like, over 120 pieces of content. Yeah. So it's a ton, yeah. If you didn't um, know about it, just I think it is a good thing to to know about and remind ourselves that gaming can really impact the world, right? And in the in both the content and also in the execution, distribution. And so it's... And that's one of the things I, I love about the show is that we can talk about it from all angles. We can talk about it from industry. We can talk about it from publishing. You know, we can talk about it from actual, the enjoyment of the game itself. Uh, but that is a, I feel like this might be like a record for like my longest D-pad delight ever. Uh, but like, so I'm getting a little uh, anxious and I'm going to just back off the stage now, Carl's. What do you got going on for your D-pad delight today, my man? So taking a somewhat giant leap away from Ukraine and into the lands of Japan, my D-pad delight has to do with the game Aragami 2. This is a stealth game on Game Pass. And you are playing basically as a ninja with like shadow abilities. And that's where the fantastical element comes in. But anyway, the delight is more so around uh, Ryan and I actually playing co-op together. So the first game was entirely single player. As far as I recall, there might have been some sort of limited multiplayer mode. But the sequel now kind of goes more all in on this format of like, okay, let's get you and a team of one or two other ninjas go into a village do an objective get out of there and i'm really liking that but i am very stealth focused i try not to raise any alarms i try for ghost basically oh, no, you're gonna roast me i did not realize that's where this <laughs> this that's where this deep deep pad delight is going everybody carl's is ready to trash <laughs> me this is the trash talk episode i see now i see the connection you're i making. don't have the roast anything you were already getting roasted by all the fucking rocket launchers you were setting off just by jumping in front of people. So, like, I am very much the ghost. Ryan is very much the the Oni or the demon where, like, every enemy just needs to be killed. Like, he does not want to knock them out. He doesn't want to worry about, like, hiding bodies and shit. He's like, no, sorry, three guys around the fireplace. Let me just, like 
kill one of you maybe secretly, but let me jump in the fireplace that you're all staring at. That's usually like his initial strategy. I'm a heavy-footed ninja. I, I mean, that's the problem. I'm just lumbering <laughs> around as <laughs> as loudly as a man can. The delightful part of that is that the game allows for this and the ability to kind of like fix up a mistake like i'm not rewinding time like it's prince of persia or something like that but you know you can run away you can rehide the thing that i find really fun slash delightful about it is that we do not share this type of like awareness or something like that like uh meaning the ai when they discover you they don't immediately say there's another ninja in the area like search for him like they're only focused on you and that creates for fun like almost oceans 11 type shenanigans where it's like oh yeah fake a heart attack in the middle of the casino floor <laughs> which is you're like jumping into the fire pit and like attracting everyone in the area meanwhile i'm like just like sidling or hanging along this freaking drawbridge that i'm like trying to get across and suddenly half the village just leaves the objective thing that i'm going for and i'm like why is that and i turn my camera just a little bit and hear massive explosions and i just see ryan as like this shadow ninja like just jumping just running around in circles like jumping over and over trying to dodge what's happening to him yeah you need <laughs> Mean- a diversion man I'm doing it for the team. That's our synergy, right? I just got the Pink Panther in there and, like, grabbed the thing. But sometimes, occasionally, Ryan brings the whole village into the house that I'm trying to do something in. (laughs) Yeah, to your your point, I I think it's very smart uh, that the game is as forgiving as it is in the sense that Mm -hmm. you can go through and just parkour silently or you can... uh, try to master the combat system uh, or you could do both, you know, and you also do, you have the opportunity to knock people out uh, or, and you have the opportunity to kill people, you know, depending on what your play style is. I think that that's really smart to give that much player agency. It's not even in a particular part of the game. It like is the whole game, you know, like there are different mechanics that you can utilize and it can be fun for different people. And it, like you're saying, it makes for a great co-op experience because we can each play to our different strengths. (laughs) Like, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me a lot of just like how stealth games evolved like i was very into the splinter cell series as it was coming out and seeing how that evolved over the years and like started integrating co-op and how that co-op was handled like aragami 2 gave me a lot of those like later splinter cell co-op vibes like i want to say probably around like conviction and or just before conviction like the biggest difference though is that at least as those games went on it leaned off of the hard stealth it still had that as like its own mode, basically meaning like being a ghost was pretty much like its own challenge, like a whole different level entirely. If you get spotted or if an alarm goes off, like that's it, game over, you need to restart again. And the more mainline modes or the more widely accessible modes were the ones where you could get spotted, go back in the hiding, maybe have a moment to kill the guy or something like that. And I think in general, that's just a, better design philosophy to use when making these stealth games because for me i absolutely love it when i can like understand what is going on in the level i know all the variables and then i go through it perfectly and maybe have the touch like little to nothing in the level right kind of similar to seeing those like dishonored speed runs where people are doing these wildly intricate like acrobatic kills and what have you because they just played level so many times but 
with stealth games, I kind of like it when they get more just let the player do whatever they want. And that feels interesting to me because I'm usually somewhat saying the opposite when it comes to a lot of more modern like open world games that sort of lead with that philosophy of like just let the do let the player do whatever they want and that like rubs me in wrong ways at various points but for this like i think because it's not trying to be a whole big game of like 50 different like theme park rides for you to be trying at any given moment it makes for a still focused but more fun experience because it's only lightly relaxed it's not like full on relaxed like just do whatever the hell you want and maybe some will see this game as that but i'm currently not really seeing that it still feels very kind of like focused to me it's just not failing us for doing one thing wrong which is nice i think there is a modifier to like turn on that type of mode and maybe at some point like i'll do that but for now like it's a real fun time i know we haven't played all that much but like what i did play of it made me really want to play more i don't really have much patience for stealth games in general it's i really have to i really have to like kind of discipline myself if i'm gonna play a stealth game and try to take it seriously like you know it's like things like uh like inside are like kind of like my perfect level of stealth you know where it's like just you know it's like ah, okay i can see all the action that i need to directly in front of me but i'm just running along one axis basically maybe we should start by mentioning that you are an xbox ambassador please for the so um, you are very familiar (laughs) with the with the trash talking policy that phil spencer has put into place (laughs) we know you have a green xbox series x in your living room because you're paid off by microsoft for being their ambassador uh (laughs) but i think you're you would be a really good person to talk to about this and start us off by like trying to create some parameters or some sort of definition for like what we would consider trash talk to me trash talk seems like anything you just say to somebody to mess with them during a game but like it could be a lot more intricate than that i mean you could say a whole lot of things to mess with someone and obviously some of those things are gonna be really intense and others are gonna be like wacky like you know, why did you say two plus two is five? And it's like, what do you mean? I'm trying to mess with your head. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think is like a good sort of like ground? Yeah. Like grounding definition. definition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could do this together. Uh, I would say that trash talk is uh, language used in a competitive environment uh, that is intended to undermine one's, opponent or someone who they they view as uh like bringing them down in some way they there's some kind of adversarial relationship that is a part and parcel to trash talk yeah and okay it's obviously language it's obviously someone like done to someone who is pissing you off or upsetting you in some some degree and it's a it's a speech act to communicate that and then there are different types and we could get we could like dig into that but like as a functional definition is there do you feel like that's is that enough is that it feels like it feels like there aren't enough parameters on that but what do you think yeah it feels a little light i like that we called out that it's like very much language it's going to be aimed at somebody it's like not necessarily offensive language but it's the use of language in a usually i don't know whether it's like combative or contentious manner 
but like you're using language it's meant to mess with somebody slash like hinder their playing experience a little bit like maybe take their focus off the game i don't know if that absolutely has to be part of the definition but the target can be anyone like it's not just their opponent like trash talk could be aimed at let's say teammates if you're playing a league of legends or something like that and one of your teammates is like pissing you off and now you decide to like trash talk them for not performing as well as you'd hope they did right it's obviously not the best use of trash talk like you want to be on your team's side but you know some people roll how they roll yeah i think that trash talk is kind of like the least offensive version of hate speech or like it's like the first tier on the on like a hate speech hierarchy where like the worst hate speech imaginable is like at the top the mindset that one has when they're engaging in trash talk is like they're you know they're kind of they're on that first step you know uh maybe that's it's a little extreme um i don't really mean that to be like a particularly controversial point i'm i'm really just brainstorming right here uh there's something about it also that that kind of seems like virtue signaling to me in the sense that it's not really about the content of what you're saying. It's about like how you want the other people to feel about what you're saying. Uh, so it's less about like if I say you have half a brain, Carlos, right? I know that that's not like a, a witty or interesting piece of trash talk, but I'm not actually saying anything about your brain. I'm just I want you to like feel put down. I want you to know that whatever you're doing, I don't like it. And I'm trying to signal that in some way. So it's like, it's like hate signaling instead of like virtue signaling, you know? Yeah, exactly. So trash talk is going to be like the use of language against another player with the specific intent to mess with them. I'm thinking like, I want to get to the core thing of like, I say something you go what and like take your attention off the game just a little bit and that gives me the upper hand right we like like we like we recorded an episode a while back about getting tilted right and like trash talk could really add to that meter of getting someone tilted quickly and if we're playing rocket league right and we had the ability to trash talk the other team it's quite possible that we could like turn a game around by like trash talking them or not even turn it around maybe it's like neck and neck and they happen to like let things slip because we said just the right thing to kind of like take them off their toes you really think that psychological warfare should be part of the functional definition you want you want like the essentially you think that this is a a strategy or a tactic that's being employed you know it's outside of the game but it's kind of it becomes a part of the game in the sense that the players are a part of the game and that they're you know like the baggage that they bring to the table if you get into a fight with your spouse and then you go try to play rocket league and you're you know sloppy at rocket league because you have all the stress going on right like that's part of the game that stress that fight that with your partner is part of the game in in, in that sense uh, you think that trash game is kind of functioning on this level where it's outside of the game but kind of creating the game and creating the environment and the mood that the game is existing in the context of the game uh and it, psychological warfare is that too hard of a, is that too strong of a concept or is it psychological like- warfare feels like too strong <laughs> of a word but that is exactly what i'm getting at like it is it's it's so another game on top of the game you're actively playing right like if you're playing like local smash brothers and maybe this was like i don't feel like this is only a like a new york city growing up type thing like i definitely think this was like in a lot of different places but you know you're playing smash brothers or you're playing madden or you're playing halo and you know you're you're sitting there you're playing the game think like kills are happening what have you and then 
you know, someone starts talking shit, maybe someone does a teabag onto you, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, now the first rock has been thrown. Like, <laughs> like there there could potentially be trash talk actions, but I kind of want to, like, focus on the more verbal side of things, right? At that point, you know, somebody could be like, oh, like, you suck, and then it becomes like, oh, okay, well, now I'm kind of like, if I want to partake in the game of the back and forth of trash talk, like, I now need to think of, like, better and wittier maybe outlandish comebacks while also thinking of like everything happening on the game level and you can hit this point right where now you have this like battle of the minds going on with the trash talk but you also have the battle of the game happening at the same time and you know it, it, and i'm sure at some point if like one person is like oh yeah you suck so bad my grandma could beat you and another person was like yeah well i uh i suck <laughs> you know like it just it be it becomes this very like stupid like wow okay so like it it becomes a very stupid moment you feel like you've lost the battle even though the game is still going on right but you and in that moment have lost like the the meta layer of game which has been trying to break your opponent's will because you effectively didn't have anything witty and better and or more biting to come back with right yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. That all makes sense to me. Uh, I do like the idea that there's some element of element of like mind game or like trolling that that's being used uh, across. We could call it psychological sparring <laughs> rather sparring than warfare. Is, sparring is fair. <laughs> sparring assumes that, but like both people are kind of coming to that to the mat with the expectation that they're you know going to have like a fair practice round. When you're playing a competitive game and you're Using these these this language, you know, when you're when you're coming up with things to say to throw off your opponent, you know, it obviously it's not an act of war, right? It's two people, not like two societies or two countries or whatever. Uh, but you know, there it gives you this kind of sense of of there's something truly competitive about this, where it's not just about your skill anymore. It's about I have to undermine you. I have to use subterfuge to to try to like achieve my my end you know in order for me to to be the top dog here i need to make sure that these other people by any means necessary are going to be you know quieted or their performance is going to be reduced and so in that sense there's something about it that almost feels like cheating right but but it it's socially acceptable you know at least you know you you mentioned that i'm an xbox ambassador um a fact that nobody cares about except you uh and something i something i almost always forget about because i i like i signed up to be an xbox xbox ambassador in part to like accrue rewards and the rate of rewarding is you know it's like often lottery based it's just not worth whatever it is that i could be doing to accrue points you know it's like ah gosh so many things have point systems but anyway the point is like i'm supposed to report people and like i you know i'm i i'm on the lookout for toxic behavior blah 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 you know literally never report anybody i don't really see trash talk very frequently anymore um i feel like it was perhaps when we were younger it was something that that i heard a lot more of but uh, maybe it's just like I'm not in those circles anymore, but and it's often kids that I do when I do hear it. I feel like it's often children, um, like people who obviously have voices that aren't like fully developed, and uh, 
and I'm not going to report a kid, like you know, unless he just is doing some. He, a kid would have to do some really toxic stuff. Like for for me, for me as an adult man to report an 11 year old boy, it just it feels there's something about that that feels really wrong. Like I want him to kind of like live his life and learn his lessons and have more like natural consequences, like social like social consequences. Like people are just like, bro, that's not cool or something like that, rather than just someone reporting you, which may make you feel really angry and not cause you to reflect as deeply because it feels this like this kind of authority you know this i think the cues from your friends to like be a better person are really like more valuable like it's positive peer pressure in a sense uh wow i feel like i'm so off track bro where am i (laughs) we were talking about trash talk right and you're mentioning like your experience as an xbox ambassador right we know it's on your resume and i think we kind of have like a pretty decent definition if not like markers of trash talk yeah, like that what was trash fun. talk is um something i'd like to know is like when you were signing up to be an xbox ambassador or if you had to read any materials did the mighty microsoft gods like have any sort of like in text ruling on like what is trash talk what is not trash talk or what is trash talk going too far yeah, I actually did uh like skim most of those uh like pamphlets that they wanted us to read. Uh and I I I was looking back to try to find what they what their guidelines are trash talk. Uh and I had the same kind of uh how how would you say it? Like not shock, but like just kind of a a, a thoughtful like reflective moment. Uh they say they have like a bullet that says like uh some trash talk is okay, uh, you know, as long as it's not, like, harassment or something. And I think that, the like, the assumption that you know what harassment is, that you can identify it, right? Uh, you know, you could, like, look up on Google what harassment is. And perhaps that they, they have, like, documents that are fully fleshing out what harassment is. But in the, in the Xbox community standards, it, it doesn't, at first glance, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of information. It's just kind of, like, expected that you know. Um, and I think we should distinguish between harassment and uh and trash talk you know i mean and like they they specifically state that you're not allowed to like threaten anybody right like for example right like that's like that is a no-go you you, like you're you're suspended if you threaten anybody and a threat takes the form of i will do x you know or if you do y i will do z you know so those those are i think are like the main formulations that that threats can take now would this be threats outside of the game like is it like oh if you pick up that rocket launcher in halo i'm gonna grab the sniper and headshot you or is it like if you pick up that rocket launcher i'm gonna go to your home in chicago and do something it's definitely more the latter i mean and i think you can imply like if you if you're playing a game that doesn't have guns and you say if you know if you jump off that i will shoot you uh and like obviously the character doesn't have a gun i would consider that a a threat you know like a real life threat because you have you know it doesn't there's no obvious reason why i would think you're talking about the game it seems the conclusion that one couldn't would naturally draw there is like either this character has a gun and i didn't know about this because i didn't know there were guns in this game or this person is actually saying that they're going to shoot me you know um but i think the threats and harassment have have more to do with like like kind of like a psychological illness in the person who's making them i think that that's more of like an obsession or a fixation um and trash talk doesn't need to really require that you know there's there's an adversarial spirit for trash talk but it's not like it's you know according to the xbox community standards there's a place for it you know like it is not it is not considered uh like 
categorically bad. You know, it, like there's something about it that they think fuels fun gameplay, uh, whereas the harassment and the threatening and those kinds of things are just uh, those are categorically bad. They will you, th- those kinds of things can get you banned. And uh, also, like I will worry about you if I find out that you're th- harassing people. You know, if there's some kind of persistent like fixation on a particular person if you're you know kind of like virtually stalking them you know that's what i that's those are the kinds of things i would consider harassment to distinguish them um you know like it could be sexual comments that someone is making or uh but i think for something to be harassment it has to be a like persistent it has you know has to be recurring um and given the context where someone has asked them to stop like to end the harassment and the person continues i think that is like just a uh an extremely strong case for harassment. You know, like, I, I think that's, like, basically the thing that, that uh, if we didn't think it was harassment before and the person persists even after being asked to stop, that is a that should be something that raises all of our eyebrows. You know, that's a big concern. Uh, if some, Because someone seems unhinged. They're not willing to listen to someone else's agency. Uh, How does and, that apply in Halo, though, right? Like, if I'm playing Halo against somebody and I'm killing them, let's say I kill them five times, right? The first couple times, I'm like, ah, your grandma's bones are weak. Ah, your grandma fucking sucks. Ah, your grandma can't play Halo good. You know, it's obviously, like, weird trash talk call out. But, like, that's why I'm bringing it up as an example. Like, if after the third time, I'm like, your grandma's bones are weak. And they, the other player says, like, can you stop talking about my grandma? Her bones are strong. She drinks milk every day. Like, if I am a trash talker and we are in the midst of a match, like, as an ambassador, am I in the green to keep telling him how weak his grandma's bones are when I kill him? Or because he's requested for me to stop the trash talk, does it now suddenly turn into harassment on the court? Yeah, I mean, I'm, like, I'm no... uh I don't want to be the authority, uh, you know, on what is. You are the ambassador, though. I know, but I like. I want to speak more from my uh, opinions and what I would do given a particular situation, rather than on behalf of Xbox. I'm not a paid employee of Microsoft, and uh, anything that I say here could completely get me like thrown off of ambassadorship because I could be poorly representing the company. So it's like that's weird. You say you're not paid by Microsoft, but I see this oddly green Judge Dread helmet in your oh background, and it has the like, Xbox logo. Literal, on it. Literally <laughs> fake news. Like this is you're spreading disinformation. <laughs> So how do how do you personally see it, right? If you're if you're an Xbox beat cop and you're on the street and you see me talking about grandma's weak bones and the other person says to stop, are you blowing your your Xbox cop whistle or are you like, you know what? This is kind of like stupid, so like it can continue going on, but if he were saying that he's actually going to do violence to the other guy, I would blow my whistle and stop them. Well, saying he was going to do violence, that's an immediate like that's an immediate concern, yes. right? That's an immediate whistle blown. Um you know, for, again, it's like, I think it comes down to persistence. You know, if I see someone who's like, oh, like, you know, your grandma sucks. And the other person's like, please don't talk about my grandma. And then the person's like, your grandma sucks. And then the guy's like, I already asked you once not to talk about my grandma. Like, please don't do it. You know? And then like the third time it's like, okay, bro, you had three strikes. Like this is beyond, it's be, it's targeted at this point. It's not, and it's like the, if someone is, is, if someone is requesting that you stop doing something, like, why not listen to them? Like, what do you have to gain? That, you know, this person is winning the match, Ryan. I know, but it's like, it's, is it okay for me to change my 
topic or my subject of criticism then. So you would blow the whistle and be like, Grandma three times, you're out of here. But if it was like, kill one, your grandma's bones are weak. Kill two, your dad's bones are weak. Kill three. Your sister's bones are weak. Like, <laughs> well, that would. Uh, do I get grandma, through the loophole? <laughs> the grandma is what's recurring there. The weak bones, you know, the weak bones are are is the thing that's recurring. You know, the the, mo- <laughs> yeah. the motif of that troll. Uh, it, it depends on on the tone. It depends on the a- the seat, the age of the participants. It depends. Like, are they really just saying one sentence? Uh, and does it seem like they like how targeted is it? Is the person trash talking other people? Is it just this one person that they're kind of like almost bullying? Are they following them? You know, if after the match ends, that in the lobby they seek out that person and they continue to talk to them. Right? Like anything said in one match, it, it's hard to make the case that that's harassment because it's such a brief interaction right if you have like two minutes to like trash someone it doesn't really it's not able to meet the persistence like uh criteria you know it could be repeated in in that instance but but for it to be persistent i think it has to be uh like tracking you know maybe if you rematch this person and they keep doing it or something like that but it's also like why would you rematch someone who is trash talking you in a way that is making you uncomfortable like maybe your whole family has osteoporosis and these weak bone comments are like really not hitting for you like you're normally okay with all trash talk but like the weak bones are just a sore spot where that you like can't take uh don't queue up with that person, right? Like, that would be the obvious advice that you would give. It's like, you've already right. been burned by this person. There's no reason to believe that they're going to be a better person in this next match, you know? But it, it is, it's a tough case, you know? I feel like that's that's kind of the edge case here, right? Where it's like, but the person isn't saying anything. Like, you're not, you're giving an example where the person isn't cursing. They're not threatening. It doesn't sound like they're, like, screaming at the person. Uh, and it doesn't even sound like it's really relevant to the gameplay or, or and it doesn't, if they're, they're not talking about what they're going to do or like, it's not like I fucked your mother last night, you know, which is like, that's like the prototypical every 13 year old or younger's response on like gaming. Yeah. I don't know, man. The osteoporosis community just needs some, some help. We don't need these weak bones. <laughs> we need a humble bundle for people with weak bones. Yeah. What do you think? Well, this feels like, this feels like I'm under the gun here. What do you, what are your intuitions about, harassment about uh like what do you think about this case of the of the person talking about uh the weak bones you know i think it's made me realize so much more that moderating trash talk is a very gray area and messy thing to do and it is to some extent understandable that like so much language runs rampant in like various uh, social gaming circles and things like that. Because even with the report system, I don't know how well somebody could like get all the data they need to make a mostly just decision. Because you brought up, you know, all these different factors of things you would have to consider and like, you know, did this insult repeat exactly at the insult? Was there like a target of that insult that kept going throughout? You know, has this happened for more than one match, which is a major factor. And so this whole conversation has just made me kind of like more so solidify in the back of my mind that microsoft needs like an actual like building full of xbox ambassadors (laughs) like being able to sort of like zoom in to like any game any match like get that data and like be able to analyze what exactly is going on 
that's not what Xbox ambassadors do. They have no power. They have no more power than a regular player. They look. I'm talking about review, like the moderators, like the trash claims. talk moderators. Yeah, there are people. Uh, but but who we are can paid. report people. But we can report people. Everybody. Right? So can. like, who is going right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm. But now my big question is: is like, who is in the cubicle? getting these reports like who's the who's the person receiving the report not like not who's ambassadors reported yeah ambassadors are just people who say like i will keep a lookout and i will report people if i see them doing bad but anybody can report and the people who are reviewing the claims of harassment are not xbox ambassadors they're paid professionals uh like i don't know what department they would be in but they're like microsoft employees like ambassadors are not employees they're volunteers basically yeah for sure for sure you guys are the dare officers of the xbox community or something like that <laughs> but i am very intrigued to kind of again going back to the, the how it's made like reference like i'm very intrigued to see that pipeline of like Oh, Ryan has done his good job as an ambassador and found someone making fun of the other players' weak bones and saying their weak bones make them bad at gaming, and that's very mean. So I'm going to smash that report button, and then the episode begins where, like, oh, shit, I just got an email that R.K. Taylor reported this guy. Let me look into, like, why and what's there. Because at least from what I remember of, like, you know, what I've been playing in VR recently and what I was able to do reporting wise, muting wise back on 360. It typically just seems like this little pop up, like occasionally you can like add like a, a paragraph of text to explain what the situation was, right? But that's going to be heavily tainted by whoever's writing it uh, because of like biases and their own like perception of the events that went down. And it seems like it would be so much better if you could actually get the whole game played, the whole chat log, any vocal things that they had done. And maybe there are more sophisticated systems out there that do this now. But just from what I know of our reporting capabilities, at least on the player facing side, it seems like there is never enough data being given to the actual analyst that gets the report. And just figuring out like where is the line in general feels like very difficult and left almost purposely vague by whatever wording Microsoft used in their thing. So in conclusion, like after all of we've been saying, I am way more on the side of like everything has to be taken case by case, obviously. And there is seemingly no super clean way to cut this. So to that end, whoever this is the is pornography definition the resurfacing, you're doing it. You're like, we'll know trash talk when we see it. <laughs> we'll know harassment when we see it. That's definitely what it feels like. Like that, it's so it's so odd because there's so many different like ways. It definitely doesn't feel like as like wow, that's stupid as like the pornography example because it seems like you could like make some pretty clear fucking terms for that but we've been working at you know making a framework for trash talk and like seeing where that trash talk goes out of the box and into harassment and that itself is like taken a fair chunk of time and i can only imagine with like millions of players and let's assume tens of thousands of reports going in that it, it takes that much more effort and time to like judge what's going down and then kind of like at a high, at a higher level, you know, why am I doing this, right? Like, 
is it really worth it to like cut this person off for like 24 hours or potentially a month or maybe even a permanent ban if it's on the side of the more severe stuff like i would say yes but if i'm there like eight hours plus a day going through these different reports and i see somebody on like the your your bones are weak like type side or it's like you know your bird sucks something like that i don't know if i see someone on the weaker side i would feel like eh, like i don't really need to handle this like either let them go another day or like pass it off to somebody else whereas like i guess i'm saying like i would be mostly focused on like the extreme stuff and like yeah getting those people out you bring up a, a good point uh the you have to consider the payoffs of the people who are reporting right so what I mean by that is there you have an incentive to not report someone who is harassing you or or trolling you or trash talking you right the incentive being you have better things to do with your time probably than than report this person you don't know if that report's going to go anywhere, so you really have to have a vendetta to you know c- compose a paragraph of text. Uh, uh, about what someone did that was wrong, you know, how they wronged you. you there's, you're going out of your way to, to do that. And so there needs to be a real sense of, like, gratification, you know, that you did the right thing in reporting this person or that this person was just beyond the pale and really needed to be reported. So almost like it was, like, a moral thing uh, or or maybe even vengeance could be the the approach. But but regardless, you know, you're you're sacrificing your time for that person, that person who already pissed you off, you know, or maybe not for that person. But uh, I mean, that's one interpretation. But like, you know, for the the principal or whatever, uh, it is directly related to this person who uh, was introduced into your life and was a negative force. And now you're doing work, you know, for free in order to try to create this more balanced system. That's definitely a factor, you know, and I think a lot of people aren't really afraid to trash talk or go in with like, like even harassing people sometimes uh, because they just expect that people are not going to go through the trouble of reporting uh, or they're just they've maybe they've done it enough times that and without having been reported that they feel immune, you know, and that's kind of why reporting works, because even if one in 10 people do it, the fact that you could be reported by any person, there's there is an incentive there to uh, to not harass because you never know who it could be the first person you harass. It could be the you know fourth person you harass. You never know who's going to report you. So be nice to everyone. You don't know if Big Brother's watching, so be fucking nice, I tells ya. Yeah. So we kind of touched on a couple things that I'm glad we brushed on up until this point, right? We've talked about kind of different types of trash talk, which we've already kind of created a couple of key points for like a definition. And we've talked a little bit about harassments, threats, mind games. We've mentioned trolling and the factual criticisms of you're playing bad, you didn't bring the flag over here, you didn't shoot a headshot, blah, blah, blah. Really quickly, what is constructive trash talk? Like, is there such thing, or would it not be trash talk if someone was like, bro, you missed the basket, or like, that's not how you do a layup. Yes, that's a that's great recycling question. Talk. Is there <laughs> such thing as recycling talk? Constructive trash talk? It's still under the umbrella of sanitation talk, but it's not <laughs> trash talk, it's, it's recyclables. I don't know if trash talk, at least for me personally, I wouldn't put constructive or anything positive as part of the trash talk. I think if there is positivity as like the overall end outcome of it, like it's not trash talk, meaning like you can't be like 
oh, you fucking suck at this headshot, but damn, your costume looks good. Like, that's still trash talk, because it's like you fucking suck at the headshot or whatever. Or it could be like, good thing your character skin is so cool because your shooting skills fucking suck. Like, right? That's like a positivity thing, but there's still the trash talk there. That's, if uh, anything, it feels kind of worse because they're tying in this compliment into making it, making you feel worse. Yeah, that's it's so interesting. It almost feels like negging a, like a romantic partner. You know, it's like, that, that's, I wouldn't call that constructive, those examples. I would say that those are compliment and insult, like, paired together. Uh, so it would be something more like if you aimed your mouse a little higher your aim wouldn't fucking suck yes Yes, that's like i'm actually teaching you a better way to do something while i'm shitting on you it's like you're the meanest teacher i've ever had you know damn is that trash talk i i think it is i think it's i think saying that someone fucking sucks is like (laughs) that's definitely trash trash talk talk. you know even if it's uh even if there's a lesson there you know it's it's helpful uh, it's it's constructive, you know, but it it could have been more constructive had the person not trash talked at all. Yeah, so you know that is a good point. For now, I will say yes, we can have constructive trash talk, which is very interesting lane. And I honestly, just thinking about it, I kind of want to do it. <laughs> like I want to jump in the Call of Duty and just start doing it, <laughs> throw people off even harder. Why is he giving me tips but also telling me I'm bad? So like. We're, we kind of got to this by like talking about like the actual criticisms, right? So it's like we have, we have this like objective based trash talking, not like capture the flag objective, but it's like, hey, there is something wrong being done here at, on a technical level. Like you're not jumping right. You're not shooting right. Blah, blah. And you're addressing that in the trash talk, right? And it could be either just a flat out like, wow, your aim fucking sucks, or it could be a constructive like, Oh, if you took a breath or if you aimed in a certain particular area, then you would not fucking suck at shooting. Okay, there, those are our two branches of like actual criticism trash talk, right? The, the full negative and then the kind of like half and half sandwich. We have mentioned trolling. So like trolling, I think is more of the, I feel like trolling is kind of like the the kooky one, like what I was saying with like, your mom's bones are weak, your dad's bones are weak, all the bones are weak. Like, that one just sounds funny to me because like, you don't hear that often. It doesn't have to do with the game necessarily. Like, that's that's another part of the troll, right? It's really, you're just trying, you're doing whatever possible thing you can to get a rise or a distraction out of your opponent, right? So, with actual criticisms, you're not going to get the bones are weak or like your dog's actually a cat, like some stupid, just out of left field thing like that. But with trolling, that is probably like 10,000 times more likely <laughs> to happen. And it could potentially be stupid stuff. Like I think we saw a donkey video one time where he was playing, you know, Among Us in Fortnite with a bunch of children. And one of them was dressed up like venom i think and he kept calling him spider-man or some shit or he was carnage right and the little kid was like i'm not spider-man i'm carnage and he's like no you're spider-man you got the red suit and the kid's like yeah like he just is screaming about it because he will he will not accept that this guy is calling him a different character name and that to me seems like more on the trolling end because it's like it's goofy it's obviously like not 
real meaning like yeah we know your carnage but obviously you're reacting to it in such a way that it makes it funnier for him to keep the the ruse yeah, going. you can't handle the joke the more reaction you get from from a, the joke the more the person is going to want to keep the joke going and you know yeah so maybe it. trolling is more on the jokey end you think like it's not necessarily i'm not saying it's harmless but i'm saying like in terms of like comedy it's kind of outside the game it's not about like when we're talking about trolling like compared to you're not aiming correctly right which is like directly related to the game uh if you're talking about someone's like cosmetics or even things that aren't related to the game like like the bones situation i mean they're just outside the realm of the game so they're jokes that you're telling the person to disrupt like you know, their the way that they're playing but it's not a commentary on their play style you know what do you think about like uh people trash talking people who are on their team like let's say there's like an escape room type situation like a collaborative kind of board game or uh just like a video game like let's say like you know even rocket league where you it's a team sport where it's like let's say four on four uh and there's trash talking like within team trash talking rather than like the the between team or whatever the alternative to that would be right like you could trash talk the people against you but you could also be simultaneously trash talking someone on your team who you think is inadequate and who's like bringing down the team what do you think about those situations and how do you classify them differently what's most important about those uh i believe that trash talk can be like equally applied or you know universally sent in any direction and the genres of those trash talks still fit with either your opponent or your teammates i personally don't like trash talking my teammates like i am one that goes more for the constructive criticism or the like morale boosting like leader speech to try and help like get things along um I have definitely experienced people that just straight trash talk their team and it never helps. It never helps. Like, I don't know what you're hoping to accomplish with that where like, you know, we could be playing Rocket League doubles, right? This tends to like happen in ranked mode or whatever, but like you're playing some Rocket League doubles and the only other guy on your team is like hitting these balls and then quick typing into his keyboard like, oh, I set the shot up. Why the fuck didn't you go for it? Wow. And like then using the quick chat to keep like, to keep berating you, right? And that doesn't like pump me up. It doesn't let me know like what I'm doing wrong. And it also, most importantly, like doesn't make me feel cohesion with the other person. In a game where it is very much like, hey, I'm passing this ball to you or I'm setting up a shot for you to like spike it into the goal. And we also see that in MOBAs where, you know... One of the reasons why I wasn't ever able to, like, really click with a MOBA is because of uh, the trash talk. Like, there's an expectation that you know how to play that game well. And I also saw this when I would... As a kid, when I would play WoW, and, like, it's like, I reached the max level cap. What am I supposed to do now? And it's like, you should do raids, you know? And it's like, okay, I'll do a 25-person raid. I'm a healer. And I had no fucking idea what I was doing, you know? And then I got trash. I, like, fucking ruined the, the raid, you know? Like, the other healers are doing twice as much work to try to, you know, deal with the fact that, like, I haven't learned the rhythm of this, you know? And then it's like, I realized, like, okay, I have to do a shit ton of research if I'm going to keep playing this game, you know? And it, it kind of sucks to like have that realization but the trash talk kind of gets you to 
be aware that you're not good enough. Uh, but generally, it has deterred me from continuing playing. Like, I don't, I didn't want to play 25 person raids in WoW. That was, wasn't what I found fun. I also just didn't have the internet for that, right? And for MOBAs, it's like, people are this fucking serious about this game. Like, I'm here to have fun. Unfortunately, the time sink for MOBAs makes everybody a lot saltier or more prone to getting salty in that game. Like, the fact that, you know, you can't quit out of a match until nine plus minutes into a game. Usually these matches last, like, 30 plus minutes long. And nobody wants to feel like this intense, like, moment-to-moment 30-minute match that they just played was a waste, which is usually what the losses, the defeats, feel like, right? And that makes them more prone to be like, oh, like, stop getting killed. Stop getting killed. Like, you're just going to make the next 23 minutes fucking unbearable. And I'm totally with you there. Where, like, besides the needing to click a thousand times in, like, 60 seconds, which, like, I'm trying to reduce as much clicking on my mouse hand as possible, right? Aren't we all? But... That trash talk, like, absolutely, even the prospect of the trash talk, like, makes me not want to go into the MOBA world, right? I think the one I got into the most was probably Smite, and even then, like, I wasn't just queuing up with randos, like, I was almost always playing with a half to full party of people I personally knew, which made the experience much better and more fun. Yeah, it's how to go into it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really unfortunate that seemingly the entire MOBA gaming community just sort of expects that anyone they randomly match with is going to have, like, a thousand hours in the game and, like, know what they're doing. Yeah, as I'm reflecting on this, like, being trash-talked by my own team experience, I'm realizing that, and this could be a fault of memory, but the the way that I seem to recall it is not that I really felt bad about myself when I was getting trash-talked. I feel like, one, it has alerted me that I was not good enough, so it kind of served that social function, that signaling of, like, bro, get out of here. Uh, and uh, two... I felt bad for the person who was getting so angry. Like, obviously, this meant a lot to this person if they're if they're feeling this level of emotion. And uh, like, so for me, I think it's it's come across as more like like there's a little bit of embarrassment, but it's mostly like kind of guilt. Like I'm like fuck. Like I caused like I my my inadequacy or like my lack of preparation or lack of understanding of what I was getting myself into led to one or a few people getting like like severely tilted and it's like you never want to make someone angry just because you don't know what you're doing you know like i didn't you know and if you don't realize the the weight of of something before you get into it you know so i i feel like this is probably a fairly common experience you know i think that there are probably a lot of people who like downloaded a game played it and the first time people were livid you know they were like bro go do your research before you play this this is a real game this isn't a kid's game you know Right, which just immediately turns off whoever the fuck is trying to play the game. Because, like, you know, let's say for the vast majority of those people who are doing the trash talk, they didn't fucking do 12 hours of homework just to play their first round of League of Legends, right? (laughs) Hell, they probably watched Arcane and was like, ooh, let me check this game out. (laughs) Like, it's whatever, bro. Like, just calm the fuck down and queue up with friends. Like, if you don't want to run into that, you don't need to play League of Legends. Like, you don't need to play this game at the moment where you do not have a party to play with, right? Like, sure, you're going to be like, this is the game I like to play, though. But, like, realize that you are not only giving yourself a bad time, but you're giving everyone else a bad time because you're lashing out, right? Like, if you are going to choose 
yeah, if you are going to choose to play solo, like, play actually solo and, like, respectfully. And, you know, if shit is just going down the tubes, like, you do what you can to, you know, make sure you're not wasting too much of your time. But other players don't deserve to get some sort of lashing because you're just, like, upset with your current circumstance. Yeah, I think this isn't really... I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how, like, related this is, but just as, like, kind of a... Something to think about, right? If you're a person who trash talks with your friends and it hurts your feelings at some point, I think it's okay to talk to your friends about that. Like, maybe not immediately, but, like, down the line. Like, hey, you said this one thing and it, and it hurt my feelings. And, like, we should be able to have that kind of conversation so that we can have better trash talk that's, like, less hurtful and maybe more funny or more, uh, I don't know, maybe more of the constructive kind. Like, if trash talk is a part of your life, right? And I think similarly, like, if you do trash talk your friends, like, just checking in with them and being like, hey, I know I talk a lot of shit, but, like, are we cool? Like, you know, like, have you ever had – have I ever said anything that, like, really violated, like – uh, some kind of unspoken principle or like uh, did I ever like seriously hurt your feelings with anything I said while we were playing Fortnite you know like uh, I think those kinds of check-ins are like just good for the for the life of a friendship overall and you know just yeah I agree with that I think that's a really good idea something that I wanted to briefly bring up since we are talking about trash talk and we've kind of mentioned that it's become maybe less of a problem in some places and more of a problem in others as gaming has evolved is that party chat has kind of largely taken weight off of platforms to, like, mitigate trash talk, I feel. There was this sort of, like, golden era where everybody had a voice, right, when the Xbox 360 came out and it came with the microphone. So literally everyone with the console would have a microphone and would be talking on there. And during that time all the talk capabilities like you could have private chat with one person i remember like you could almost phone call them like through the xbox but it was again one-on-one -on -one chatting otherwise you would have to be in the pre-game lobby or post-game lobby meaning like okay i'm playing call of duty it's a 4v4 it's a 8v8 whatever I am now seeing the scoreboard and I'm seeing like this 30 second countdown before we go into the match and everybody could talk. Literally everyone's mic is on, everybody's saying shit. And this is where trash talk, this is where like I had probably like the most trash talk like heard, right? Like I talked a little bit about trash talk locally, but in these pregame lobbies, it just fucking goes off. It's like if you're at like some sort of, let's say like a cockfight and they bring the two roosters out to like look at each other in the cages and they're like, I don't know what sounds rooster makes, like fucking bok bok at each other or something like that. Like they're getting ravenous just from looking at each other. That's what the pregame and postgame lobbies were. Like when you would play like Black Ops 1 or Modern Warfare 2, Halo 3. But with anonymity you know, we too, that's the best part of the problem. It's like the same problem that we have like with the internet, where, with trolling, where it's like you become a persona. You know, like they're like it's you're not yourself anymore. You're not engaging in in speech acts that speak to your character or to like who you really are as a person. You're kind of inventing a new part of yourself and that persona becomes integrated into the rest of you. Uh, yeah, everybody turns into the heel. Like, that's a term we hear in wrestling for the bad guy, right? Everyone tries to become, like, the big bad guy wrestler when they're in that pre- and post-game lobby, right? It's like, oh, you guys... Like, you're just trying to throw out, like, as many insults as you can, as fast as you can, to shake them before they actually get into the match. Because in the match, you can't hear each other, right? Originally, almost supposed to be this, like, 
moment in basketball where after the match everybody walks by the other players and they like high five or shake hands right but sort of the opposite of that because we're being introduced to the other team only for us to just go fully aggressive and degenerate towards them and them to us and then after the game we sort of get the cash the check that the trash talk did before the game right so if we came into it saying oh we're gonna wreck you guys you guys suck your bones are weak you can't find the power weapons and then we win the match right we get to like lay into them for 30 seconds more right but if we end up losing we have to go into that with our tail between our legs and sure people are still gonna trash talk till they fucking sink like the titanic but there is that potential like redemption part of like, oh, you were talking shit before the match, but it looks like uh you have like 17 kills and we got 50. Where Where's that energy, boy? And that has really gone away. Like to get back to my main point, like that's really gone away with the like Xbox party chats, PlayStation party chats, the ability to have private chat active with like more than one friend that created a huge shift in like social gaming where now everybody is getting into these private vocal rooms with their friends or people they know close enough to do these chats with and then going into the online games like even if they're playing solo like it you know perfect vision you're in this chat with four people and all four of you go to play call of duty but it's more likely that like you're gonna queue up solo but you're still gonna be in a party chat with other people because you don't even want to subject yourself to the possibility that there will be a trash talker or a harasser in the lobby right and that's just something i've sort of noticed go away and somehow kind of like resurge with virtual reality um yeah virtual reality feels a lot like those earlier xbox 360 days like we do still have party chat on the oculus os or whatever it uses it admittedly is not that good i don't really like it but you have both i guess is the main point of that at least in vr like you have the wild west like bohemian sort of like everyone can voice chat but you also have the ability to like put yourself in a private room with people and i think just at least in the current phase of where vr gaming is at more people are deciding to like be part of that social gaming circle rather than like closing themselves off to party chats with their friends and so we see a lot more trash talk potentially unregulated trash talk in virtual reality because there's like less of an emphasis on that party system that's all i wanted to briefly mention i think we've talked a whole lot on trash talk within like the game itself are there examples of trash talk in like real life i'm sort of thinking maybe like like road rage potentially road rage i was thinking maybe something at like a sports bar where like people are having some drinks let's say like the Packers and the Steelers are playing something like that. And, you know, you have some guys on, on right side of the bar saying like the Steelers suck. And there's some people on the left side of the bar. That's like, we love the Steelers. I hate them Packers. The Packers got weak bones. And I come in and I'm like, y'all both were yellow though. It's like all good. Like we don't need to, we don't need to do this. What unites us? Yeah. We both, we all like football here. Do you think we have like a tighter leash when it comes to trash talk? outside of the games let's let's kind of remove the anonymity component because that's a very obvious like yes people see where the trash talk is coming from but like we've sort of defined like types of trash talk 
and like sort of what our parameters for trash talk is do you think people like mostly follow those when doing trash talk in real life do you think people are likely to trash talk in real life given the their target is probably like within their proximity or people that care about that target are within their proximity like the bar it's there's so many incentives to not trash talk in real life right like if you're trying to get a promotion you're not gonna like trash talk your coworkers who are who might be wanting the same promotion right like that would just that's just not a way of conducting yourself it's not a business-like way of conducting yourself or whatever you're also not necessarily trash talking like a rival business right right, i guess like there's there is still like competition right like within that group but trash talking your the person like before or after the interview isn't really gonna it doesn't seem like it's gonna change their uh performance in a way that will outweigh the the cost to your reputation Right, I guess is, is is one way of thinking about it. You, you're going to seem like a dick, and this is someone that you may manage or someone who may manage you. And because you've made yourself uh, look like someone who is incapable of dealing with like friendly competition in a you know in a harmonious way, uh, you're kind of putting yourself out there. Uh, but with the and like take something like if I'm if I, if a server comes to me while I'm like at a restaurant, right? Uh, there's I have no incentive. Like I we're going to have a transaction where. I order food, the food is brought to me, I pay a tip, you know, in response. There's no reason, like, it's a completely collaborative experience, right? Like, I'm going to pay you for the service. The, you know, in, in an ideal world, your tip is will correlate with how good your service is, right? So we have, we only have reason to cooperate there. There's no real reason to uh, compete against this person. They're on my team, I'm on their team, I'm helping them live, they're helping me live, you know. Uh, but in the bar, you know, it's interesting that you bring up a sports, like, I, I, all right, the sports example, right? Like, neither of us are football fans, but we do see a lot of uh, football fans, you know, trash talk each other, uh, to the point where, like, it's like, I th- I think the Bills, uh, the the Buffalo Bills have like a reputation of being like some of like the unruliest fans. Where like if you're not a Bills fan and you go into the stadium, like you'll get like yelled at and shit, you know. And it's like, uh, so what's that about, right? Is the kind of the question like why is that happening? And because I don't really get sports on like a deep level, uh, I'm not really sure what what is going on in the minds of people who feel like they're ident- like who feel identified with a particular team. Uh, but I think on some level you're, you're advocating for something that you love and that you believe in, but that you fundamentally know is arbitrary and like not the most, it's the world isn't going to change because the Steelers win or lose the Super Bowl, right? It's entertainment. So you can put a lot of like stock into this, uh, like trash talking as a, uh, as like filler language, as like, you know, it's kind of BS. You're not actually often, you're not trying to convey a point or, you know, it's again, that signaling kind of device. Uh, I think when people are trash talking on behalf of a sports team, there's kind of this knowledge that like the sports themselves don't matter. They're just for fun. So the trash talk itself is also not something that matters. Compare that with something like religion, where people feel like they find their religion to be like the, the most important thing. It's like the core of their value set. People aren't going to trash talk about their religion because it's too important to trash talk. Uh, and like, in fact, people will wage war, which is like much more <laughs> serious and lethal than just like BS talk. You know, uh, I mean, we don't even call it. We call it blasphemy in the church if you if you say something uh, wrong. We don't call it trash talk. You know, you know? and it, that 
it could be that you're trash talking or trolling uh but like the church has a whole way of perceiving that you know um and it's not just the christian church you know this this is across you know d- different religious uh affiliations but so is this to say that like ultimately trash talk is kind of something meant to stay or occur only within a like play environment or just trivial topics yeah rather? yeah I, I think like the more serious a topic is the less likely people are to trash talk about it like the you wouldn't refer to those speech acts as trash talk anymore because they're too severe there's something playful about trash talk right like even though it's mean-spirited often or competitive like it's not like you know well if it's playful though ryan like you brought up road rage would we consider people talking shit and i say that with specific purpose when people are talking shit to other cars as they do something that they dislike on the road, does this form of road rage, does that count as trash talk or is that more something else? Yeah, it's, it's definitely because not trash talk. there's like the other party doesn't yeah, hear it. Yeah. It's, 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 it was the closest thing that I could think of when you started talking about like real life examples of trash talk, but it isn't, it isn't, uh, accurate. The, the, you know, when we think about someone like flipping the bird to someone else, uh, if that was the end of the interaction, that perhaps that could be uh, that could be considered like trash talk or like nonverbal, you know, nonverbal talk. You know, but when it when it gets escalated and when it impacts people's driving, uh, that's it is it is impacting their performance. Like we were talking about trash talking in video games, but I but the 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 fact that there is like something lethal that could come out of that and like you know people really escalate and and you do have the kind of anonymity too, right? Like you're not you're not actually anonymous you're, it's not like you have a mask on your face but you're in a sealed box you know you're driving like thousands of pounds of steel uh and you can you know it's a weapon you're driving a weapon that you know could like be used to, to run this person off the road you know if the if it if it got you know serious enough uh but again there should be nothing adversarial about other people who are driving even someone who who you know cuts in front of you right like that is a sunk cost. We can ignore the fact that that person just cut in front of you, unless you think that they're they're going to have a habit of doing that all the time. If they're doing it for fun and you're kind of like, if you're the bird and, and they're a cat and they're just like beating you and like watching you, uh, you know, fly in and out of the lane because they keep cutting you off. Obviously, that's a person who's dangerous, right? And that that should be handled. But if if it's a one, if it happened one time, you have no reason to be angry at that person anymore, right? Like, you should be letting that moment go almost immediately. You feel that anger rise in you when you're cut off. And the most responsible thing you can do is not drive angrily and not allow that to affect you. But if you flip off that person, what you're kind of saying is, this was an adversarial relationship. We both wanted the front spot. You got in front of, you cut in front of me, and now I'm I'm briefly pissed at you. You flip that person off, and you let it go, and that person lets it go. Maybe they don't even observe. I kind of view that as trash talk, you know, like that one that one act. But if it goes further than that, and it, and they're going, if there's back and forth, it it seems to me to be almost like too dangerous and too like too serious of a situation for us to be like, ah, ha, 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 what trash, like just like Halo and teabagging someone, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. These could be, this could be a four car pileup, you know, like you could have a bunch of, like this could be a devastating event. Uh, like I find road rage incredibly dangerous. I, I don't engage in road rage. I'm like 
pretty afraid uh, to be in a car with people. I have been in the car with people who got so angry that I was concerned for like the safety of everybody. You know, it's like you really should not be operating a vehicle angry, similar to how you should not be operating a drunk. You know, you're under the influence of anger, right? And anger is a really powerful emotion and it could cause you to, you know, swerve or drift or not pay attention to things that you would ordinarily pay attention to. And driving is serious, you know? And that's part of the reasons, going back to earlier in the episode, why someone would trash talk in a game is to get somebody so angry that their abilities are impaired, right? That's what we call getting tilted, but we don't necessarily say getting tilted when you're driving a car. Also, it was just kind of funny to hear you go into the explanation of like trash talking during a race because I very much remember like the first three Fast and Furious movies having exactly that. <laughs> like literally two people are like dry, like Paul Walker and like another guy are like driving down this straightaway or whatever and they're racing back and forth to who could get to the red light and they're overtaking each other. There's like middle finger action, a little bit of like, haha, I guess you don't got the right timing on the Nas like. Yeah, but thing. that's a competitive event. Like, it makes sense to trash talk. I'm not. I'm not condoning drag racing. Like, I don't. Like, I'm not. I haven't seen these movies, and I don't know how safe or like what the parameters. Oh, it's are. always illegal. Almost always right, illegal. But it's, so safety safety hazards aside, let's make it a more official event. And let's say the streets were blocked off and everything like that. Yeah, trash talking makes does make more sense there, even though there is still a risk of getting hurt and like it being dangerous. You know, there's more of a, a sporting event environment in that case. Yes. So it seems like when we are Talking about trash talk, you know, it's mostly going to be in some sort of game type environment. And when I say game, I broaden that to both sports and video games because both are are definitely games. And it seems like because maybe it's part of the magic circle, you know, the sort of like ethereal idea that like everybody participating in a game, the audience included, are entering this like imaginary magic circle where scoring a hoop in basketball equals two points. We've all agreed to this. We all agreed that that's important. We are part of this magic circle. So maybe it's more so that when we're within the magic circle, this type of like trash talk, I guess, not even a type of, just when we're in the magic circle, trash talk seems to be far more acceptable than outside of the magic circle outside of the magic circle it seems like trash talk is just immediately turned into like threats and or harassment and or just like rude behavior but within the context of a game we seem to be a little more forgiving about it or at least we sort of know what's up like we know like oh they're probably saying this because they want me to like not perform as well i just need to keep my head in the game gotta get you get your head in the game and you know just fucking focus on what yeah, you you're saying do. it's like almost like a suspension of disbelief kind of you know like yeah i think so yeah there's some sort of suspension of of threat belief i guess <laughs> like you know like if somebody's like oh like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna hey i'm gonna kill you if you pick up the rocket launcher like or like oh like fuck the green bay packers damn it they scored another point i wish the whole fucking earth would swallow them up like obviously you're just saying like dumb wild shit because like there's Nobody a game it, going yeah. on but yeah, nobody thinks you actually want some Dark Knight Rises shit to happen where the whole football field collapses and the Green Bay Packers get swallowed up by Earth. Like, you just want them to lose, or you want them to not be there so your team could win. <gasps> now moving on to our third segment, this is the D-Pad Hot Take. This is the second time we're doing it. The Hot Take is a segment where one of us will come to the show with some sort of opinion about video games that we might think is controversial. 
and we will explain that in optimally one sentence. And from there, we can have a conversation about it. The person giving the hot take can kind of explain the evidence behind their hot take. And we just sort of like figure it out. And if you agree with this hot take or you have thoughts on the hot take that kind of bring the conversation out further, feel free to send us those thoughts. We'd love to hear what you think about the show and hear what you think about the hot takes. And if you want to see more of the hot takes, you know, let us know. If you don't like the hot take segment at all, let us know that as well. But for now, we're going to give you a piping hot, hot take. (laughs) So get your mugs ready. It's going to be steamy. Ryan, what is the take you're giving us today? What is the scalding hot take you're giving us? Quick time events are so condescending. What do you mean by that? When you say quick time events, QTEs for short, QTEs, are condescending. Damn, I didn't know we needed an abbreviation. Quick time events are uh, there are moments in games where you have to press a specific button. Typically, the screen will uh, display some action that requires that you press a button in order to complete an objective. And there's often like a time limit for this. You know, you'll fail a mission or something if you don't press X at the right moment. Um, they're often, they, they have like cinematic, they're happening like in ways that seem cinematic. So, uh, you know, we used to, when we were kids, Los, we were, we would just like, we would watch a cutscene, and then when it was over, then we would be able to, to, you know, have the mechanics back, the opportunity to engage with the mechanics. And I think they were a tool to try to get players to uh, continue to pay attention to the narrative because they could be surprised at any point that they had to like do, they had to actually interact with the cinematic. Uh, So it it was an attempt to bring mechanics to the cinematic. Any corrections or anything? No corrections. I think you have it on the money. Quick time events are button prompts or actions slash inputs that you need to do during some sort of cinematic event. For example, Spider-Man swinging through a burning building. Now, all of a sudden, the X button on your Xbox controller, like that prompt pops up on the screen, right? And the whole place slows down. That's why it's called like a quick time event. It's not always associated with slow-mo, but it's like, oh, this is something that you need to press quickly in order to keep things going and be successful, right? So in some cases, the game slows down. In other cases, it's all going real time and you're just like meant to press the button as it appears. But it often results in like an A or B outcome, right? You press the button. Okay, the cutscene's going to keep going on. Spider-Man shoots his web and he swings through and he saves someone. You don't press the button. Yeah, Spider-Man falls flat on his face, zooms in on, you know, this scientist. Oh my god, I'm going to die. And then you see the building explode. That's like one of the more memed like quick time events. And like they are so prevalent that they have become memed. And, you know, plenty of video essayists have like done commentary videos on that mechanic in particular. Why do you feel like they are condescending, though? You've explained that they're trying to bring players more engagement with narrative moments or cinematic moments, I should say, because narrative moments can exist all over the place. It's not just cinematics. Yeah, so they're condescending in the sense that there's no real challenge associated with them, right? They're they're just kind of forcing your attention to be occupied and that your hands to be glued to the controller. When I'm watching a cutscene, I want to put a controller down. I want to, like, stretch out... You know, I want to like rotate my wrists. I want to like curl my fingers. Maybe I want to plug my phone in, like, you know, charge my phone like a little bit. I don't want to have to be glued to the controller, even when you're kind of playing a movie for me. And it doesn't seem like, I don't think anybody's, like nobody's favorite part of a game is the, is the quick time event. Like nobody's like, I played Spider-Man because the quick time events are amazing. You know, it, it's a, it's a bonus that they're throwing in there to try to make the game fun, but it's kind of a waste and, and it's, it's a mechanic that has been uh, replicated across a lot of games at this point, and 
It's it's not innovative. Uh, it's not really interesting. It's uh, nobody's having a lot of fun with it. Perhaps there are people who like quick time events. I mean, I'm not saying that they're you know everybody will dislike quick time events, but in, I don't think that they're really respecting player agency, despite the fact that they are trying to keep you engaged. I've, you know, I, there's something about it that feels like uh, you're not appreciating my time. You're not allowing me to engage with the story on the level that I would like to. If I want to walk around or stretch my back while a, a cutscene is on, I should have the I should have the ability to do that. I shouldn't have to, you know, be engaged at every single moment. It would be nice to be able to disable quick time events specifically for oh cinematics. Oh my gosh, I love that idea. I know yeah. that there are some accessibility options to disable quick time events in general as well as like button tap events, maybe even button hold events, like you can sort of disable them or have them auto complete. That's usually the case is like, oh, the quick time event will auto complete because, you know, some players will have weak bones and they can't hit the buttons fast enough. But no, no, no. Like for real, You're terrible. Uh, there there will be <laughs> there there will be things that we can do to kind of like make that pressure easier on players who don't want to like do the quick time events or continuously tap the buttons right and i just wish that was an option in general for only the cutscenes because i do like quick time events when they're used in actual gameplay and when they're used cleverly like i, I don't just like quick time events but you know i was there like playing resident evil 4 when it like first hit gamecube and part of what made that game so freaking cool is the fact that it had quick time events. And honestly, Resident Evil 4 is like probably one of the games that like really sent quick time events into the stratosphere in terms of like, what did everybody comment on when they reviewed about this game? What were people on forums writing about when they talked about this game, right? It was always the like, oh my god, this boulder fell down and then I had to press like A super fast to run away from it and then I had to press both triggers to dodge to the side. That was so cool. Or like this cutscene where Leon and Krauser are having a knife fight on top of a steel cage. Oh shit, I'm pressing these buttons and it's making all the action happen and when I don't press the button, I die. That's pretty cool and i think the businesses just maybe took too much of that to heart because something i saw that was like a really good point from a resident evil 6 retrospective was that this game resident evil 6 and its quick time events were kind of this amalgamation of everything that was being like positively commented on before like you know in resident evil 4 and resident evil 5 leading up to 6 which ended up getting like a really big like bad reception in terms of like a resident evil game but the developers and or like the publishers above the developers had noted like everything that was being positively responded to and quick time events were a major thing and like like you said many other games ended up like taking that because there was so much positive sentiment and as players we liked this but i do agree with you that it got stale very quickly and I think it is, especially nowadays, way more of a checkbox thing rather than a let's think of how to do this better type thing, right? 
It's always just, hey, let's press a button here. Uh, every now and then you get a game that does it slightly different. Like, I want to say the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War series, Middle Earth. Like, they changed it up so that now you had to use your thumbstick to drag the input button into the slot where you're supposed to press it, and then you can press the button, right? So it's kind of like now making the mini game, the quick time event, two steps rather than just press this button in the amount of time. It's like navigate to this location and then press the button. In any case, it's always the cinematic action is trying to be translated into some controller action, which is like it okay. feels forced sometimes. I really like what you're saying about like multi steps having you know there's something mini game like about it. Um, like I've in the past I think on the show we I talked about how like it'd be cool if like Mario Party like when you were rolling the die like that itself was like a mini game or like just like something small that like was incorporated, right? And and I do like there are many there are quick time events where it's press one button. There are quick time events where it's press the button like as many times as you can or like 10 times you know and then there are ones where it's like drag and put it in this hole and then you press r2 and then aha you know it's like you unlocked it right what's challenging there is the time constraint but to your point like when these are in cut scenes right ah gosh it's this is gonna be this is this is hard this is gonna be a hard point for me to articulate okay but i find it to be immersion breaking i think is like one of the greatest faults of them okay when i'm playing as let's like let's go back to spider-man you used that example earlier when i'm playing spider-man and i'm swinging through the city i don't see anything on the screen that tells me what right trigger does or like that that is like the swinging button right but when you're in the middle of a cutscene and then it's like press r1 right now you're reminding me that this is a, a video game. like i'm being like hit with that idea of like aha, this isn't really Spider-Man, even though this is the middle of a cutscene and you're supposed to be processing the story, the story will not go on until you press this exact button, right? It's like, it's a bad time to remind me that I'm playing a video game. Obviously, I don't ever forget that I'm playing, like, I, you, if you pause, if I could, I could pause at any point and be like, yes, I'm playing a video game, I'm at this point in the story, right? But when you're delivering story, it's not the time to remind me of a button input, I think. I agree, and I have kind of like a, a radical idea to maybe address it. Something that I liked in Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is they had this counter system where it would display this, like, a specific color of kanji next to your character when an enemy character was going to do some sort of, like, big, brutal attack. And let's just say that these big, brutal attacks have some directionality, right, that give you a direct counter to it. So, like, one, let's say, red kanji meant it was a thrust, and therefore you would have to do a down counter. Yellow kanji would be, like, uh, attack from above your head, so you had to do some sort of above counter. And then green kanji is, like, an attack from the left or right. So you do a counter that way, right? Now, if Spidey Sense... Again, really just focusing on the Spider-Man example. If Spidey Sense had these different colors to it, and you could tie those into the buttons on the controller, you potentially have a much more natural way to notify people what button they need to press. But at the same time, you are kind of like abstracting that information. So rather than putting up a like blue X button on the screen, it's now, oh, Spider-Man's like wavy Spider-Sense lines are blue. As a player, if I can recognize and remember that, like, the blue button is the X button, I then can sort of know, like, oh, shit, like, I pressed that button at the right time and I managed to dodge. But also at the same time, like, you're watching a cutscene, so you don't necessarily know you're supposed to do the action unless you have some sort of sly notifier, right? Like... Not even sly, but, like, I think in my example I just gave, I would have some sort of sly notifier, 
where it's like if you see the controller button in the top right corner of the screen or some some little thing that's not like super intrusive it's letting you know that it basically turns into like dragon's lair where like oh shit now i know i am going to be interacting during this scene but it's up to me to figure it out like i have to choose whether that is a button press or a controller move or what have you i think that would be pretty cool maybe that would almost be like a pro mode because again with these like higher budget games you need to appeal to as many people as possible and a large group of that crowd is going to be people who don't like fully remember every single button on the controller or what their color is and what have you so it's safer to go with what you've experienced which is have this big ass button on the screen give the player enough time to like look down at their controller look back up at the screen and then press the button and yada 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 like all of that is being done so that the widest amount of people can play this game and know what to do but it does subtract from that immersion and that fantasy that suspension of disbelief that you're giving to this game for them to achieve that goal of making it accessible to as many people as yeah possible. i wonder like i like that you mentioned the accessibility and like how they have to market this to a bunch of people uh and i wonder if things that are like generally like media right are i wonder if the ones that are marketed to as many people as possible also tend to be the ones that people who are passionate about that that media uh will find condescending you know and uh i guess like next time we're going to be talking about like triple a tropes and things like that and uh hopefully hopefully that's the that's the plan currently so sorry listener dear listener if you are <laughs> disappointed uh that you don't find that but uh i think we can really get into a lot of that stuff next time and talk about uh, I hope we can bring in the condescension because I think it might be a good thread. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's definitely a lot of things now that are just so explained to players and maybe not explained, but just like heavy handedly telegraphed, which I personally tend to lean on the side of more heavy handed telegraphing just from what my experience has taught me. Because as much as I advocate for the players, like having to figure stuff out and things like that, it makes your game way less accessible. Like you want people to like figure it out and feel good, but there are so many people that just want to play and like not have to go through those harder parts, I guess. And, you know, there's just kind of it's a push and pull that like gets figured out and maybe over time like let's say 10 years from now maybe quick time events are so just oversaturated or done so often or oversaturated might be a good word as well where like everybody knows like even if you're like a two-year-old toddler playing like Elsa's dress up on your iPad somehow that even has quick time events and you're just so familiar with it that now we see quick time events get those innovations where like it becomes more like Dragon's Lair right because everyone's so familiar with it now they're like well of course I'm able to play the game during the cutscene what are you talking about but now it's it's kind of taken shape in a different manner that's my hope I always just hope for innovation like quick time events are neat and obviously they have a lot of cons that we've mentioned here but i think they could be another like real continuously elevating part of gameplay and engagement interaction but just the way things are now especially from bigger budget games i think it's highly unlikely for you to find anything that's like new and wowing about quick time events it's more often than not just going to be 
I guess as you put it, condescending. <laughs> like, it's just gonna give try to give you the biggest bang for the minimal buck of, like, you know, press this button, do the thing. Thank you for listening to Deep in the D-Pad. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with your friends. For updates and discussion, follow us on Reddit at r slash deep in the D-Pad, Facebook at Deep D-Pad, and subscribe to Deep in the D-Pad on YouTube. Don't forget to hit the bell. And if you want to ask us questions or you had a chance to share your own D-Pad delight on the show, email us at askdeepinthedpad at gmail.com. Be sure to put question or delight in the subject line. Big thanks to 8-Bit Jazz and Kevin McLeod for supplying the music for the show. 